When we, we need to come to a place where we, where we recognize God is the source of our life. God knows everything. There's nothing hidden from him. He's God. He's sovereign. Huh? He is the image huh, of the invisible God. Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and in earth. Visible and invisible. Where thrones and powers and rulers or authorities. All these things were created by God, by Jesus, by him. He is therefore above all things. He's before all things. In him, he holds the whole world together. And he allows us to call us ourselves Christian. He allows us to call us Christ-like. Indeed. See, there are many places in the Bible that tell us without God it's impossible. Right? Matthew 5, 6, we cannot change our hair, add to our hair to our head. Some of you baldies wish you could. Without God being the source. Matthew 6, 7, 27 tells us that we cannot add a single moment to our life without God being the source. James 4, 14 reminds us that we cannot even say with certainty what's going to happen tomorrow without God being the source. Acts 27, 20 tells us that we cannot save ourselves from disaster without God being the source. So he's, he's, he's in charge of everything. See, when a people fail to recognize God as the source, that God is supreme, and the, he's the Lord, those people will suffer loss. Oh, yes, they will. There's a curse in Deuteronomy 28. It tells us that debt is part of the curse. Debt. Anybody know what debt is? Now, we always talk about debt, like being in debt with financial, but that's part of debt. But there's more than that. That's just one part of debt. But, but debt is not a good thing. See, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 tells that, that increase and prosperity is part of the blessing, but debt is part of the curse. Are you with me? You understand that? The Chicago Tribune years ago had an article, Poor, rather being poor, can be a deadly analysis. Right? The Federal Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, studied people between the ages of 35 and 54 years old. The higher death rates found in poverty situations had basically three components. One-third of excess deaths were tied to smoking, obesity, and other known factors. Another third of risk could be tied to low income. The final third was due to unknown factors. So the, the study conducted by professors, professionals concludes this, that poverty is harmful to your health. That poverty is harmful to your well-being. Now listen to what I'm saying. So that tells me this. God does not want you in poverty. Huh? Proverbs 10.5 reads, The wealth of the rich is a fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. And we can say this. God does not want anyone to come to ruin. Hello? Now take this. The poor. The poor are less likely to graduate from high school. If you are considered poor, you have a 50% chance of graduating high school. And if you are poor, you are more likely, you are 75% more likely to go to prison. What am I saying? I don't think God wants us poor. But people make themselves poor because they reject God's principles. Oh, no. 
I mean, poverty is an evil thing. Do you know the school districts in Indiana and Georgia, for a fact, sometimes many, well, many school districts throughout the nation, you know what they do? They determine their prison bed population by their third grade reading levels. And if you are poor, you are less likely to be able to read well by third grade. You will fail your test, your, your, your standard test that every third grader takes. And if you fail your test in reading at third grade, they will take that figure, they will, they will, they will multiply it out, and they will determine we will need 10,000 more beds in 15 years based on those poor, dumb folk. They do it right now. That's how they determine prison populations. So if God doesn't want us poor, why are so many folk poor? It's not God's fault. I would say this. They're failing their test. Huh? So there are specific instructions to how we should handle our money in order to be free from poverty and lack. God says, I don't want you poor. This is how you do it. You have to do it his way. Okay, let me say it again. You have to do it whose way? God's way. There's been a worldwide attention and focus upon a part of the world. It's referred to as the 1040 window. Has anybody heard of the 1040 window? 1040 is longitude and latitude, right, for you geographic, ge- geography freaks, right? It's a 1040 window. It's a portion of the world from West Africa to East Asia. 1040 window. You go on your map, hit your 1040, you'll find it. East, West Africa to East Asia. Most of the world's Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists live in this part of the world. And this part of the world, this part of the world suffers great loss. It is overwhelmed with poverty. It is ravaged by disease. The 1040 window is, aff- is afflicted with an intense spiritual blindness to Jesus Christ. They don't know. Religious strongholds, false religion, Occultic activities. The poorest of the poor live in this part of the world. What am I saying? 2.4 billion people live on less than $2 per day in the 1040 window. You talk about poor? Let me tell you what. God doesn't want it that way. These people have rejected God, have rejected the gospel. They are worshiping idols. They are worshiping Muhammad. They are, they are chasing holy cows. They are worshiping uh, uh, incarnation, reincarnation. And they are dying in poverty because they are under the curse. This is very consistent with the curse of Deuteronomy. However, when you look at the United States of America, now, we have our problems People complain about politics. I like politics. You have one side fighting the other. Half of them, of course, I don't care. But, you know, we live in the greatest country in the world. We are the wealthiest and most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Proverbs, uh, Psalms 33, 12 reads, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Despite our, our, our problems, we are the only country in the world that says, In God we trust on our money. Even though some people don't trust in God, they trust in their money more than God because we're being fooled and we're being pulled away from biblical principles. But nonetheless, because we were founded by holy men, we were founded by men who prayed, we were founded by men who had the right track, God has blessed the generations to follow. 
Not because of us, but despite us. Because today we live in a generation where people will kill babies in the womb. Today we live in a generation where Adam and Steve is, is common more than Adam and Eve. Huh? Today we live in a generation where people are even questioning if they're a man or a woman. Hmm? That's where we're at. But you got to understand the principles that keep you from poverty. So until we understand them, we're always going to hold back in our trust toward God. So Christians, there's a few reasons why Christians don't, don't trust. And they don't want to give to God. All right? It's like, you know, we have a lot of people with faith. We have a lot of people with faith in here. When I pick, we picked those envelopes, I said, that's a lot of faith. Those people are in their training wheels. They're learning something. Oh, yeah. It's very spiritual. It's very deep. Right? For the size of our church, that's heavy. Amen? Amen. But there's a reason why Christians don't give more to God. First, they don't think they can give and meet their own needs. See, most of the time when we start talking about resources and finances, these people say, well, I'm not sure I can give and still take care of my family, still meet my budget and meet my own needs. And these are nice reasons, but your, your test is on, on the line, and most people fail that test. As if God doesn't know what you're going through, and you're saying, God, you can't handle it, so I'm going to take care of my business. That's what you're saying. Well, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. Yes, I do. Look, hey, dig this. You don't understand my situation. And believe me, mine is a lot worse than yours. And I'm good with it. I have to take steps of faith all the time. Huh? All the time. Second reason is they don't know how to give. They struggle because their heart is not completely submitted. They just don't know how to give. They weren't taught. They weren't in church. But I'm going to let you know something. It, it doesn't take a, a church person to understand that there should be a transaction. So in other words, if somebody does good for you, there should be a transaction where you're in debt now. You should do good to them. doesn't matter what happens. But this is, how, this is how this nation, this generation is. You do good to me, and I just want more. It's not like, wow, this person did good to me. I owe them. No, it's like, this person did, did me good. Now I want more. We have this entitlement mentality. Like, you think you got something coming. Listen, you ain't got nothing coming but hell. You're not entitled to anything. No, but see, my generation, I was raised, if this brother did me good, guess what? I owe him. And I'm going to do good to this guy. Why? Because he just did, done, done, did me good. I ain't going to let him outdo me. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah? I'll, 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 you wait till I'm going to have my opportunity to do you good. See, that was a whole different generation. That was, I'm, I'm a baby boomer. But this millennial generation is, my name is Jimmy and gimme, gimme, gimme. That's what we're facing, right? And then you don't know how to give. All you know how to do is take. Third reason is people don't plan to give. They lack planning. They're always in an emergency. Huh? So we need to set goals in our giving. This year, I gave this much money. Next year, I'm going to double it. And so you begin to think, God, this is what I want to do. See, God he says, he says, I'll give you according to your, 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 your needs, not what you want. So I've learned a principle. If I want God to give me more, guess what? Then I have to need him more. So if I want to need him more, I have to do things like, 
Go get a campus, but then you ain't got no money, and, and you got to put a, uh, a $200,000 roof on it, and, and go get it, because if you get it, then you'll need it, now God will give it. Now, that's fake. I, and God said, just hang in there, dude. I said, okay, I'm trying to, man, but this is heavy stuff. I ain't got no plumbing. I ain't got no money. I got no TFIFs. I don't know what. I was, I was, I was like Renee. I mean, I, got, I ain't got no what I'm going to do. Huh? And God said, don't worry. This is what you need. He brought it. See, when you put yourself in a position where you need some, and you're doing it for God, not just for your own bones. When you put yourself in a position and you need it, God brings it. Why? Because you're doing something for him. If you're not doing it for God and you just put yourself in a position, God, come on in now. Hey, what for? Why should I help you? You ain't doing nothing for me. Huh? So you have to put yourself in position. Amen? See, there are certain principles that make a difference. It's the, you know, who's in charge principle. That's the first one. That's a very simple principle. Right? See, that who's in charge principle is God's the owner, I'm the manager. You're asking, who's going to run my life? Everything belongs to God. The earth and everything that is in it belongs to the Lord. The world and all its people belong to him. So you have to understand, you got to understand and, and accept who's in charge. Second thing is you got to understand the principle, this is a good one, the give and grow principle. See, practicing stewardship produces growth. Right? So as you give, you grow. Some people think, well, I want to grow, then I can give. It doesn't work that way. You have to give and you grow. And what happens, you get to a point in your, in your spiritual walk and down the way, right, where you've been giving, you say, well, this ain't working no more. You're in the valley. It ain't working. Oh, what's happening, God? I've been doing everything right. He goes, no, just keep doing it. Right, because the give and grow is not a guarantee that you're going to get something. A give and grow is a guarantee that you're in position to get something. So you can't get it until you're in position. But you have to sense that nothing's going to happen. You have to come to that test where, you know what? This ain't working, but you're still doing it. Why? Because it's a principle. You have to trust the principle. Once you get past your emotion, and tr- this is a principle, then it happens. Just like that principle I told you, put yourself in a position of need. The more you need for God, the more he gives you. Then it becomes, then I call it, this is the, the, the one we learned from Pastor Steve. This is the water hose principle. You know, the water hose principle. Because you're in position to give, and you're doing it. You're like the water hose. You're pouring the water out, right? You're not the source. You're not the faucet. God's the faucet. You're just the hose. And the water is passing through you. But I have never seen a hose with water passing through it stay dry. Huh? So if you want, you want to get wet, be a water hose. Water hose always get wet. Huh? That's the give and grow. That's all part of it. See, there's seven ways of practicing good stewardship that enables us to grow. So we have to, we find, or there's uh, uh, things that happen when we grow and we give and grow. We find our spiritual gifts. All of a sudden, gifts that we had that we didn't know we had, God begins to move them into you. He begins to stir them up. Why? Because now you're a ready vessel. 
You, you're going through your testing, and you're beginning to move in the spiritual gifts, words of knowledge, laying hands on the sick, they will recover. All these things begin to happen. They don't just begin to happen because you come up here, and, and you get a card and say you're a pastor. No, 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 no. When people begin to operate according to principles, all of a sudden, the gift that is in you is ignited. Boom. But do you think he's going to ignite that gift? Remember your, your potential dynamite? You, you think God's going to light your fuse if you're a tightwad? If you're selfish? If you're a bicker, a complainer, sissy lala? He can, he can, he can, what will you keep, I ain't giving you jack. Why? Because you got to get past that stuff. See, it, it increases our faith. We become spiritually sensitive. We become fruitful for God's kingdom. We receive the blessings from God. We become a blessing to others. We make lasting contributions. Why? Because now we're operating in our gifts. We're moving and grooving. See, practicing stewardship causes us to grow. See, stewardship are the training wheels. Stewardship training isn't about raising money or anything. No, no, no. Stewardship training is about raising Christians. You can't be a Christian and not, and, and not be a faithful tither. I rebuke you if you say you're a Christian and you're not a faithful tither. That is impossible. That is not God. That is the world system that is penetrating the church and teaching you that you can be halfway and that is not true. Remember, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just have to preach the full gospel. Every Christian is a tither. Every Christian. And if you're in church, I don't care if you've been in church, you've been, you have church tattooed across your chest. I don't care if your last name is church. If you're not a tither, then you're not a Christian. Training wheels. Then the, the do it now principle. I don't care. Just do it now. Well, well, I don't got that much money. You got a dollar? Give a dime. That's it. You got $10? Give a dollar. Well, no, no, do it now. Stewardship deals with present resources. Don't say, well, I got a raise. I'm going to give you that raise. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Uh-uh. Do it now. The person who waits to do a great deal of good at once will never do anything. There's a tendency for us to say, well, sometime next year or down the road, or I'm, I'm going to start using my gifts. No, what we are doing with the resources that we have now, I don't care what it is. What are you doing with what you have now? That's where God measures you. Not where you're going to be in a year. No, no, right now. Now, why did you do that? Because everybody's different levels, different strengths, different weaknesses, right where you're at. That's it. He, I'm not telling you to be like me. No, I'm telling you to be like you. In fact, don't be like me. The world can only handle one of me. Amen? <laughs> be you. But wherever you're at, do it now. Right where you're at. And you watch how God begins to grow. You know, if you don't do it, you'll be like most. You won't pass the test. Huh? You'll shrink away. Huh? See, if you don't tithe now, you won't tithe tomorrow. If we can't give 10% now, you can't. You won't give him later, 100% later. See, again... Pastor Samson in the offering, God doesn't want that. He wants all of you. Amen. And let's say one of you, two of you, ten of you, twenty of you say, I got a call of God. Wonderful. Then you're going to have to give 100% of you. That's right. That's right. If you, God's got a call in your life, great. But if you can't begin when you're training well giving ten, 
how in the world are you going to give 100%? How in the world are you going to trust your people, or God rather, with your family? How are you going to trust God with everything, giving up everything you've ever had or dreamed about, giving it all up to give it 100% to God? Think about it. That's heavy stuff, man. How are you going to do that? You need training. Training wheels. Just starts easy. 10%. And then God will speak to you and say, you know what, 10%? You've been doing 10% for how long now? A couple years, five years, six years? Up it. Up it? Yeah, up it. Why? Now you can put yourself in a position of need. God says, up it. But I ain't got the money. Just up it anyway. Now, God, I need you. Why? Because I don't upped it. Yeah, I upped it. He goes, oh, you're right. You need it. I upped it, and I just bought a car. Whoa, I, I upped it. After, I, should have, I should have not bought the car. No, you bought the car. You upped it? Yeah. Don't worry about the car. We're going to take care of that. And he does. Why? Because you're, remember I say, you, you, you do your part. God will do his part. But don't expect God to do his part until you do your part. Hello? Still love me? Last principle. I'm going to close with this. I'm in debt. See, there's a principle like I shared earlier. When somebody does me good, man, now I owe the brother. God, he done did me good. I'm indebted to him. So I'm waiting for an opportunity to do good back. That's, just, that's how I roll. So Because I'm in debt. See, the moment we're born, we're in debt. Did you know that? Think about it. I don't care if you had the worst parents in the world or whatever. If it wasn't for your mama and daddy, you wouldn't be here. You're in debt. So, so, oh, but you don't know, you know what? I know there's some messed up parents. Okay, fine. But you're still in debt. You have trouble with them? It's cool. I understand. Some people have trouble. It's all right. But you're still in debt. Still your mom and dad. You got to honor them. Give honor where honor is due. If it wasn't for your daddy chasing your mommy, you wouldn't be here. Amen? You're in debt the moment we're born. Romans 1.14 reads like this. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel. I'm in debt. So our debt is twofold. Yes, I'd like, I'd like to close. First, to God. For all the blessing that God has given you, I'm in debt. Does anybody have anything good? Anything? Nobody has anything good? Everything bad here? Anybody? Come on, if you have anything, anything good. Okay. The Bible says every good gift comes from him. Everything. So if you have something good and we know that it came from God, you're indebted to him. You owe God something. Now, we don't, we don't owe God something for our salvation. That's free. He just, he just gave it to us. But every good gift. If the Bible says when a man finds a wife, he has found a good thing. I don't care if you're mad at your wife and she burnt the beans. You're in debt. That's the woman God gave you. God, that woman thou hast given me. That's the one. You're in debt. You have any kids? You're in debt. Leo, you're, you got a lot of debt. You got a lot of kids. Amen. Hallelujah. You got to cut off your arm. Amen. Hallelujah. But you're in debt. Good gifts. We're in debt to God. All right? 
I'm indebted to God. You're indebted to God. Amen? Amen. And lastly, to the previous generation. And this one is more personal to me. Those that have gone before us, that has given us many blessings, not in two ways. In America, come on. Like I said, America might have problems, but you know what? There are a lot of people that died and suffered for all of us here. And they never knew you and will never meet you. But they're in the grave. You ought to take a trip to a, a veteran cemetery and look at the tens of thousands of men and women who have died for us. Huh? Died for our freedom. See, many of the blessings we have have been handed down. Men and women have given their life for our blessings today. Now look at our ministry. Pastor Sonny hmm, came down from New York. I'm in debt. Pastor Cal, some of you don't even know who Pastor Cal. He was one of the fir first main leaders of our ministry who pioneered the work in San Bernardino. He died, wanted to be the Lord, but he pioneered the way. Pastor Ed Morales, creativity, crazy guy. Huh? The Duke of World Drama in the movies. Right? 16 alive. Pioneering this work. Pastor Steve, my pastor. That man who, who sent churches overseas when nobody else was doing it in our ministry. Pastor Steve led the way. Saw fit to say, hey, I want you to be my assistant pastor. I said, what, are you tripping? Huh? I'm in debt. I'm in debt. These men paid a price for me. So when I'm hurting and struggling, I look up, I look at them, I said, all right, I ain't going nowhere. I'm in debt. Huh? Everything you have is a gift of God or a gift from somebody else. So our job is to use those gifts that God and others have given to us. We must reproduce, multiply, develop all the gifts, everything we have to the glory and honor of God. Not just that, and I love the song, and to help our fellow man. I'm going to spend my life mending broken people. I'm going to spend my life removing pain. Lord, let my word heal the heart that hurts. I'm gonna spend my life mending broken people. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. The trust test. Do we trust the Lord? What are we going to trust the Lord with? Are we going to trust the Lord with our lives? We're going to sing a song. I'm going to invite you to this altar.
You're going to commit your life to God. And I'm going to pray for you. The altars are open.